into it. All right. All right. So without further ado, uh, we have a very special guest on the show today, uh, Alex Phillips, um, an advocate for freedom and liberty. Alex Phillips founded the annual American Priority Conference that hosts thousands of attendees, along with the biggest names in the mega movement during the annual AMP Fest gathering and the American Priority Foundation, its nonprofit arm. Uh, Mr. Phillips also created the Great American Patriot Project, which is a political action committee that aims to elect candidates to federal office that adhere to the United States Constitution and America First principles. Uh, Mr. Phillips has been an entrepreneur in the internet industry for over 30 years, getting his start in the mid-1990s and was the founding member of the Virginia Internet Service Providers Alliance. He held a position on the board of directors for the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association, where he served in the positions of secretary, treasurer, vice president, and last as president of WISPA for two years. And he also held two terms on the FCC Advisory Committee. Sir, thank you so, so much for coming on. It's truly an honor to have you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Great. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a nice, uh, it's been a nice run. I've been enjoying, you know, all the things that I've been doing. I've had a lot of opportunities to, you know, to explore um, all aspects of free speech when it comes to our uh, people using the internet. And I, uh, I really am happy to be here today. Well, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, the first question I wanted to, to sort of dive into was your perspective on uh, censorship and what's happening with regards to social media. It's pretty obvious that it's inherently blatant. It's right in front of our faces. But if, based on your experience being in the internet industry for so long, do you see a shift on the back end? Are there certain individuals that are pushing for censorship for reasons that the public doesn't know about or uh, maybe some ulterior motives? Well, I guess to fully understand censorship today, you know, you have to look at um, where how we got here. Okay, right. historically, why things have been the way they are. <clears throat> right. And um, I've seen the internet grow since you know the dial-up days when it literally was becoming a level playing field. And one thing you have to understand is that the internet is probably the the one of the greatest inventions that man has created, far superior to nuclear bombs and super fast jets and you know, all kinds of weapons of war that are very sophisticated and great at doing what they do. Um, the ability for people to, in mass, communicate and talk um, in a way that no man has ever been able to do, um, even as far back as, you know, you know, when Jesus Christ was out there talking to the people, he couldn't talk to the entire world at one time. And you and I right now literally could be, you know, watched by the entire planet. Right. But, <clears throat> so, you have to understand that the internet is a very powerful medium and the government in the United States has gone through a lot of effort through regulation over time to protect the public from mass media taking uh, advantage of us. So um, one corporation owning all TV stations or one corporation owning all radio stations. And it's been kind of a balancing act where they're not really doing a great job because obviously we know what's going on today. Six corporations own pretty much all the media and they're all pretty much in league with each other doing the same thing, even Fox. So the internet, <clears throat> the internet was that unregulated world right. that had the same power, if not greater than mass media did. <clears throat> and so uh, the only thing that kept it from taking off and becoming a, uh, a thing out of, that's out of control was the, our ability to have our voices coalesce together so places people could go to and see it and if you want to break it down into an analogy um, i'll break it down so the simplest term was the grocery store bulletin board you went to the right. grocery store everybody went to the grocery store um, and there was a bulletin board and you could post an apartment for rent or a bicycle for sale or you know having a you know, meeting about, you know, once some obscure thing that people want to have a meeting about. And so people would see that messaging and the, and the grocery store was the common place that you went to. Now we have Twitter, Facebook, um, which have over time become rapidly or have become the one of the largest uh, grocery stores or uh, bulletin board locations. You're going to call it that, that for people to post messages and share ideas. And so people got a lot of power. Uh, because they were followed by a lot of people. And so that became a problem. 
So right. what we see now, people call it conservative uh, censorship uh, or just censorship in general. I like to refer to it as narrative censorship <clears throat> um, because I, I look at it from a business perspective where you see this co these companies have uh, a certain amount of operational costs to operate their company. They have to be able to support their product and services. They have to be able to manage their network. And so, um, and I, I don't have any real stats on this because they're not sharing this with me today. Right. Um, I don't Fair have enough. any insight, but I do, I do see from a, from, a, from a bigger perspective, I've seen that you can have about 25% of your users occupy 100% of your support costs by complaining about 75% of the other users' uh, words on Facebook or Twitter. And so that results in policy changes to right. manage your network. The other thing that's happening is the government is complaining to these companies. So they're complaining they didn't do enough during the 2016 election to stop Russia from influencing our election. Now they're complaining about, you know, uh, they, they've, they've created categories of types of speech uh, like hate speech. Right. Um, and so now they're complaining because now that they've created these categories that these companies aren't doing enough to uh, mitigate hate speech. And then the FBI says that, you know, white supremacy is the, you know, one of the leading problems in our nation, which is obviously not true. And so they've created a, yet another category of where these companies need to mitigate uh, white, quote unquote, so-called white supremacists from gathering and talking about the Constitution of the United States. Right. So, so as they've created these layers of categories, you know, it's put the responsibility of these companies to do something about it. Otherwise, they uh, fear reprisal either from the government or they fear reprisal by not being able to manage their networks uh, cost effectively uh, and make the unusually large amounts of money that they make. Right. So, okay. so I'm trying to stay away from the name calling the right. left, the evil people, whatever it is. Yeah. There may be some of that going on, but you know, let's just break it down to uh, what it is in business. And that is they, they have now become uh, responsible for and have the ability to uh, censor narrative discussions based on what their perceived right and wrong is, whether it is right or wrong, or whether it's uh, being thrust on them by our government or by a small minority of uh, activists. Right. So now if, if I may ask uh, to, to add to that, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I believe 15, 20 years ago, the CIA had something called Project Keyhole, which I believe merged or became or sort of a certain percentage of it. <laughs> Um, uh, intertwined with Google. Now, the, the reason I'm asking uh, this question here is because a lot of people will say, well, if the CIA, the intelligence community, the FBI, if they sort of had their fingers in the data so many years ago, why does it look like, at least on a public level, they're trying to play catch up with the censorship? Or have they just realized, oh, shit, we haven't really um, been censoring it as much as we should have? Well, so the United States has probably had the best signals intelligence mechanism for for years um, right. since World War II. Um, and before things went digital, it was even more difficult because <clears throat> you're listening to analog signals. Right. And <clears throat> you have to have computers that can separate people's discussions and words. And so we had the best capabilities of doing that. Now, with digital communications, it's actually become a lot easier because everything is already segmented. It's broken down into packets and timestamps and streams. Um, just a matter of actually being able to get in there if it's encrypted, right. being able to do that on the fly. And I think we saw during, um, you know, when Snowden was unveiling, you know, the, the this NSA's surveillance program, they literally were taking uh, communications coming on transatlantic fiber optic cables and splitting them. So you take a piece of light and you, you know, you split it. It's, there's no degradation per se or noticeable degradation, but it literally is an exact copy, one going to where it's supposed to go and the other going to the listening station. And so they're able to, over time, collect that data and, and dissect it and break through any encryption and create um, concept, uh, uh, content that, that, can be, that can be categorized, put into a database, words, uh, scanning for words and messages and phrases. So you know, that's, that's obviously been going on and it's still going on and it happens all the time. Most people that are communicating on the internet are, are doing it via an unencrypted connection, your emails, right. uh, your text messages, um, SMS, uh, chats, all these things are unencrypted. Plus 
you're operating on what's called cloud computing. So I have my, I have friends with iPhones, and they're the worst. So I don't know if you guys are iPhone users, but don't take offense about being I, iPhone I, users. I, I am. I, I take no offense, though. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> but they always like, where are your pictures, right? Well, they're on the cloud. I'm like, well, where is that exactly? And, and yeah. who's sitting next to it looking at your pictures? Because I know my message, my pictures on my phone go to a cloud, and I know somebody is in an office going through my pictures because I get these little messages every month saying, you know, here's a bunch of pictures we categorized for you based on the fact that they're all your wife or you're all your dog or they're all your family members. And so somebody physically does that. And, you know, I've come to the conclusion where I am okay with it because uh, rule number one, by the way, if you didn't know that, if you don't want naked pictures of yourself on the internet to leak out, don't take naked pictures of yourself. So that's yeah. my rule number one. I don't take naked pictures of myself. Right. And so all the pictures that I've taken, I really don't have a problem with somebody looking at and making into funny collages and, and musical uh, things. So, but anyhow, if some people don't like that, they should, you know, address that problem. But it happens. Um, and, and this happens with cloud communications in general. And so um, I think that the internet um, and people's use of the internet is very important in society because people need to share ideas and people need to see different perspectives. Uh, they need to see perspectives and hear concepts from the right and from the left or from the extreme right or the extreme left, because that's where sometimes you blaze trails. Um, I don't agree with a lot of things that are being said by the extreme left. And I don't agree with some things that are being said by the extreme right. Um, I don't agree with some things that are in the moderate. You know, I think, you know, sometimes you got to put your foot down uh, and hit the uh, hit the gas hard and, and, and kind of barrel your way through sometimes with a problem. But also sometimes it's just as good just to kind of coast through and, and see how it goes. But, you know, I, I just think that everybody's ideas should be heard and considered. And I don't think censorship in any form other than things that are obviously illegal, right. like, you know, you know, if we were doing a segment right now on how to murder your wife and get away with it, you know, illegal right. or how to create a, you know, a bomb with a uh, pressure cooker, illegal. You know, right. these things are obviously wrong. And, you know, or, sorry, or like, a, sorry, like blatant death threats or something like this. But I think the concept of having a discussion about whether or not you thought the 2020 elections were fair is not something that should be censored. Uh, obviously, yeah. a lot of people feel that way. I mean, the, the polls are out there. It's not, you know, it's not a big mystery that people don't think the elections in 2020 were very were very fair and potentially uh, filled with fraud or or some kind of malfeasance. I mean, we felt that way for a long time. It's just that, you know, this year, this time it was so obvious. And so right. having these discussions, I think it's very important for the coping mechanism to start with, you got to talk about it. You know, it's a trauma. People, something happened and people feel like they had some kind of trauma against them. And so you talk about it and you work through it, whether you come to the conclusion that yes, it happened and there's nothing that can be done about it. And we're just going to work on it for the next one. Fine. Or if you want to just keep fighting about it and these audits are a good example of what's going on, people need to work through that and it has to be discussed, but not discussing it not a good thing. Now, in, in your opinion, sir, um, in, in your personal opinion, if I may ask, based on your experience in the industry and all that, would you say that you would be a little more content with the censorship if they were censoring the left as much as they do the right or still no, either way? No. And it's, you know, there's a, you know, the world, the world policy and world, everything in the world goes in cycles. Okay. Right. Um, obviously, <laughs> We're going through a cycle now where being white is the thing to discriminate, right? Mm. And, you know, go back 20, 40, 30 years, you know, 50, 60 years ago, and being black was what you, you discriminate. I mean, I'm not agreeing with either one of those concepts. You know, I don't think any kind of extremism or discrimination or racism is applicable. But we are going through cycles. And, you know, there could be a time if something doesn't get fixed with this problem that the, uh, the left is going to be crying foul in the next 10 maybe less years because their messages because and actually that's happening today um i know a lot of democrats i know a lot of leftists that are getting uh hammered on social media they just they're just not really getting the the, the airtime right now because the only people making any complaints about it are the uh, the republicans but you know you got democrats that are uh, concerned about the vaccines obviously are talking about it and getting censored uh right and you know that's that's a problem these are these are areas that people need to have faith in. I mean, 
when it comes right down to it, it's a real simple thing for me. And the Constitution was the deal. Okay, the Constitution was the set of rules that we all agreed to, whether we signed our name to it or not. We we agreed to as citizens that the Constitution is the law of the land, and it is what makes everybody equal. Okay, and that equality comes from the fact that we, as the governed, give up some of our rights to be governed by the governors. Right. And there's a trust there. All right. So we trust them to follow the law. We've, they trust us to follow the law and everything seems to work pretty good. Nobody has like, we can't just say, screw it. Um, you know, I'm not going to follow the law anymore. I don't believe in government and I'll do whatever I want unless you live in uh, California where that's actually happening. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's... don't even get me started with that, but you know, you go into a <laughs> store and if you don't steal, but so much, you're okay. Yeah, right. No, exactly. And well, that sort of takes me to my next question in, in terms of not following the rules. And like you said, that trust is clearly not there. And that takes me to the Pegasus Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the recent story. Um, I think from about a week ago, The Guardian broke regarding the uh, Israeli secret, uh, I believe it was Mossad associated technology that was very expensive that they were selling to and basically the highest uh, bidder um, to spy on journalists, world leaders, you name it. So in that regard, do you feel like, and especially uh, with yourself, sir, being, you know, during uh, being around during the pioneer age of the internet, do you think the genie's out of the bottle? It can't be put back in with regards to censorship, with regards to spying, data collection, um, because you said earlier, right, it just sort of you gave the example of the light sort of, you know, splitting into two and no one seems to notice because it's just another it just makes another copy of itself and it goes to some server farm or what have you. So do you really do you have faith in your humble opinion that things could be reversed or is the genie out of the bottle in your opinion? Well, you know, time um, time is on our side still, I think, but maybe not for very long. OK. I've been in the internet business since the mid nineties and I've seen how people's perception of what the internet is and is not. So if Google goes down today, I get calls at my office, the internet's down. Well, can you go to Yahoo? Yes. Well, then the internet's not down. It's just Google. Oh, okay. Panic over for a minute. Right. Right. The bottom line is that these companies have made the internet more useful, which has been good for business. Let me tell you, I'm not going to say that's not true. So they've made it useful. But one thing that people don't quite understand, and that's because you're not in the business, people are mostly just users. They don't know, they don't care how it works. They they don't care about the squirrels running the the squirrel cage. They don't care about the strings being pulled left and right. The magic behind the, uh, the, the screen is all, you know, they don't care. They just want, they just want it to work and they just want to use it and want it to be easy. But companies like Google and Twitter and pretty much all of the new up and coming social media companies use a system design that has its basis all the way back to the days of caveman and cave paintings. And I'll walk you through it for a minute here. So the shaman was in charge of putting the paintings on the wall to create a historical record of what happened, what's going on today, or what could happen, or, you know, various things. It's information regardless. And then they controlled who could see that, you know, who was able to, who was allowed to come to see the cave paintings. So, you know, you could fast forward, you got the telephone, okay? Telephone systems are all a centralized bridging system where I live in New York and you live in California and I make a phone call and it goes to my phone company. My phone company goes to your phone company. Your phone company goes to your phone. Right. Because there's no way for me to make that call without somebody bridging the middle. Same with email. It's, it's literally email is a, what's called a Linux Unix copy to copy protocol. So all, all email is, is a way for me to copy my message to your, you know, Unix server, uh, which ends up putting it on your uh, computer so you can read it. That's all it is, just copying files. That's just historical, you know, trivia. Um, But so basically, but it required me to put my message on a, my server, my server sends it to your server, your server, then you can download it from your server. So all we're talking about is, these are all cave paintings. These are just places where I put the information is, you can go there and you can get it. Now, where does censorship come into play? Well, now there's people that have access to 
Obviously, Gmail, they know what you're saying because they advertise based on what your email says. Obviously, Twitter knows what you're saying because they censor what you're saying. Facebook, the same. So they, they have access to reading this information and deciding whether or not it goes up, stays up, gets labeled, shadowed, whatever. So in my world of the internet, I think it's now time for people to be able to communicate directly to each other without an intermediary hub or switch or bridge. And the only reason why we haven't had that till now is because it's just not been physically possible. Okay. Mm. There's not, everybody doesn't have the same address on the internet all the time uh, when they get on. So when you get on the internet on your phone, it's whatever Verizon or or AT&T gave you. If you get on your computer at home, it's whatever your cable company or fiber optic company or wireless fixed wireless company gives you. It's always different. And if you leave, and go to a different place, it's a different address again. And they've had to do that because of the scarcity of addresses. Well, now we live in a world where IPv6, Internet Protocol 6, exists. It's been somewhat suppressed from the public uh, by our government, uh, right. oddly enough, at the behest of China and the CIA. So there we go. I said it, CIA. <laughs> oh, you, um, so you would say that there is a um, there is an effort <clears throat> to, to suppress that. The, the, yeah, between, that. Yeah. That, that and and what that enables people to do in this world of the internet is communicate peer to peer. Now we've heard about peer to peer networks before, and they've been they've right. been bridged together with various applications that allow you through various protocols to you know, file share. Or, you know, in some cases, you know, using crypto uh, technology to, uh, you know, uh, blockchain communications. But we don't need all that, really. And what we need is just a, a way for people to get a static address. So, like, you know, today um, I get a phone and it's kind of blurry on your screen there, but I have a phone number. and That's my phone number. I can port that number to my desk phone. I can port it to another cell phone company. It's mine. I think now what we need is our ability to have our own uh, IPv6 subnet that really becomes you. And it is going to work on what's called a mobile IPv6 protocol, which means that you can log in to uh, a system sort of like a VPN that will give your phone a static IP address that people can call you on. Uh, They'll have your your IP address. It's really long, so you don't want to tell people what it is, but it could just be also a domain name that you know that it's easy to remember and they can call you on your desk phone they can call you on your computer they can call you on your on your uh, iphone your android phone whatever it is you've got the app running on but moreover you can it gives you the ability to create your own cloud so i mentioned the cloud earlier today because that's also a bit of a problem uh with uh privacy privacy and censorship are kind of the same thing my ability to, to to talk privately to you about something legal based on my opinion is not it doesn't exist today it's also my ability to share my photos um online or share my content or keep it private if i want to so you know i we see this as a as a world of the future um and and it'll allow people to communicate peer-to-peer it allow people to share information uh with multicast technology which is means one to many um and that's actually the modern version of what the television broadcast used to be you know, you broadcast one broadcast to many people. It doesn't matter if one or a million are watching it. There's right. no impact. Um, and it allows for live content to be broadcast in a way that doesn't exist today. Um, you guys have been in this business for a long time. You can kind of see that static content like your Netflix and your YouTubes is very high tech and very easy to distribute. But live yeah. content, you know, f- football games, basketball games or on-site live content is very challenging and so ipv6 internet protocol 6 has actually got that licked it's got designed in the protocol so that if i send out one stream to a group of addresses that want to see it it automatically divides and splits to get to these people without me having to work with some kind of third-party content delivery network or something and like sorry, that. And ju- sorry, just to double confirm, this is the, in your opinion, or actually, I mean, we can argue based on just, you know, looking at what's out there, this is what's being suppressed from the everyday person? If- yeah, so back in, about 10 years ago, the, the OMB, Office of Budget and Management, had had a uh, uh, decision that they were going to mandate 
IPv6 on government networks. That mm -hmm. means that they were going to, that would have progressed into corporations having to have it and it would have proliferated outwards, basically forcing right. an issue. So they backed off on that at the behest of various contractors, consultants, one of being IBM, which at the time, or probably still is, is run by China. Um, mm -hmm. The CIA, I didn't like this either because it would have affected signals intelligence capabilities. They wouldn't have been able to spy on you. It would have removed, it would have spawned for the, 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 the knowledge that phone companies were not needed anymore for the internet. So VI, the VOIP mm -hmm. business would have evolved much differently than it has today. VOIP today is very similar to the conventional phone service. You have to have a phone company, right. route calls to phone company to phone. It's just the same thing, it's just over the internet. Uh, there's also a lot of other things that would have gone away. Um, SSL certificates, uh, people's internet technology, uh, internet communications would have been encrypted uh, naturally. You wouldn't have had to use, need to use VPN systems for that. So a lot of industries wow. would have been negatively affected, but then it would have, pro but whole new industries would have come up. But as a whole, you know, China wanted to be the only uh, country running 100% IPv6, and they wanted the ability to, to monitor people, um, and and scam them and 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 hack them uh, to still be there. Um, and so I. I, uh, I ran into a little bit of difficulty because I got involved in this in this industry, the IPv6 industry a while back, and I was all ready to come up with lots of ideas to move it forward. And next thing I know, uh, I am being attacked and trying to have my business stole from me. So um, I dealt with that. It, you know, I, I got past that. I was able to survive and defeat the enemy in this particular case, but I let it go for a while. And so now I'm seeing what's happening with internet censorship and I'm saying, well, you know, it's time now. It's time now that this happen. And so I think um, what we're doing here at AMP is, you know, not only are we having free speech conferences and talking about things uh, for folks and allowing, you know, uh, smaller to medium size, you know, broadcasters like yourself have an opportunity to meet some of the names, uh, the big names, the people that are out there doing it in, at our events. But we're also going to uh, put our money where our mouth is on on this, and we're gonna we're gonna start creating the ability for people to communicate freely while taking away the opportunity for censorship. And I'll be mm -hmm. honest with you, you know, it's gonna take away some opportunity to make money too. Cause you know, mm -hmm. when you know what people are talking about with AI, you can advertise differently. You can, you know, you can manage it differently. You can sell the information. Well, I don't agree with that. And so I'm gonna create a business right. model that can, that can be functional and uh, can make a fair amount of money but not an obscene amount of money by taking advantage of people's rights, in my opinion, uh, their right to privacy. Well, first off, sir, I know, thank you so much for such a, an elaborate answer. I know that you do have to go shortly. So I just had two more questions for you, if that's all right. Um, first off, I know this is probably a very complex situation, but I wanted to focus more on the origination of, you know, uh, cryptocurrencies, blockchains. There are some uh, proposals out there that, you know, it was a construct of intelligence, um, you know, in order to just get get ahead of the uh, the Internet era, if you will. Do you, um, based on your experience, do you see crypto as a threat? Do you see it as an intelligence construct, maybe not of the CIA, but another agency or like, you know, as a form to present as sort of a decentralized sort of uh, mechanism, but really it's it's controlled uh, covertly? Or what do you see with that? Well, so I'm not necessarily an expert in cryptocurrency. I mean, I understand the concept and in principle, having uh, user driven value um, inevitably will pan out to be probably a, a, the right way. I think that your currencies are artificially controlled by com by countries all the time. And so sort of a game they play. Mm. And so cryptocurrencies are driven by demand. So transactional activity causes demand uh, and that causes the value to go up. So the more you want it, the more it, more it, it costs. The less you want it, the less it costs. But all the other stuff you mentioned, I don't really know anything firsthand, but what I can tell you this, which is very factual, is that mining equipment, they are good at two things. Right, can you see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, mining uh, cryptocurrency, which is a process not unlike breaking a password. Sorry, sir, mm -hmm. when you say they are... Um... 
may I respectfully ask who you're referring to? Is it anybody a, anybody uh, running anybody any running a miner? Yeah. yeah oh, any okay. mining equipment. Okay. It's okay. good for two things, depending on how it's run. It's good at you know hash. It's a hash, basically a process, which is a uh, a is the same thing as what a passwords are. Um, so cryptocurrency, cryptography, crypto. Um, it's the the words are all there. So these machines that are all over the planet right now, all connected to the internet, they're making money for their for their owners right now in the form of various types of cryptocurrency, whether it's Bitcoin or Dogecoin or you know they, there's just too many of them for me to keep track of all okay. of them. But these same machines can break passwords. So I just you know as long as everybody understands what they're getting involved with and maintains control of their machines, then I don't see there being a real big problem. Um, I do. I am concerned though at the direction the United States government is going, and I feel that at some point in time, in the not too distant future, uh, a crisis will occur, not unlike the one we just had, where the government will be required or asked to bail the United States citizenry out companies and whatnot. And as an alternative to paying in cash, which is what they did this time, mm. they will want to pay in a coin, a Fed coin, a, a currency that Absolutely. they can have a little more control over. Yeah. And that cash will become a feed transactional medium so oh. that if you pay in cash, if you take your cash to the bank, the bank will charge a fee, which is unlike it is today where cash is free. There's no yeah. cash. There's no fee for cash. And so I'm very concerned about that because, you know, it's going to, you know, cash has been, you know, the ability for people to transact amongst each other. You know, I give you a dollar and you give me a dollar's worth of something right. and nobody's controlling it. Now, if you decide you want to charge me $2 for a dollar's worth of something and I'm okay with that, that's my business, your business, not the government's business. But, you know, when we have to go through a mechanism that the government controls to uh, exchange currency for crudes, then, you know, I feel like there's some kind of a problem there. However, there will be probably a very good argument against what I'm saying and a very good argument for it. They will probably use words like, well, the drug dealers are getting away with murder because they can spend cash. Mm -hmm. They will refer to all the illegal activity, very similar to how they refer to illegal gun use as a way to uh, hamper our civil rights as legal gun users. So, you know, if you can see the pattern I'm talking about, they will use yeah, totally. a something that sounds good. And, you know, the funny thing about it is a lot of liberals and leftists, you know, are very easily uh, uh, succumb to these arguments. They feel like, oh, well, you know, I think we should do that because that would be better because government's right. And, you know, I think it would be better for me if, if people couldn't, uh, I, you know, people couldn't use cash uh, illegally. You know, meanwhile, right. you know, they're going to have to start paying for everything via a crypto coin. Mm. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, the um, the next thing I wanted to, to ask was I don't mean to uh, put words in your mouth with this question. I know it's a little bit of a hot topic uh, for even anyone nowadays. Um, but uh, John McAfee, I just wanted to get your opinion. He, there, he had an interview a handful of years ago where he talked about how he was pissed off with the State Department and or the Homeland uh, Department of Homeland Security. Um, basically donated a bunch of laptops that had um, it, malware in them that would then send information back to him. And he found out some things there. Uh, my question is this, a lot of people are debating as to whether or not those claims are accurate. If it's that, if it would have been that easy to do that um, in your humble opinion, uh, without putting words in your mouth, would that be a viable way? Obviously they probably wouldn't fall for that again, but would you believe that story based on, you know, being in the industry and things like that? Or I don't know if he did this for sure. I mean, okay. I have no, no basis of fact. Now, yeah. if you're asking me, is it possible that he did this? Yeah, I would say that it's highly probable that he could have done this. I mean, okay. uh, the Chinese have been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, if you look at the average computer and then you probably haven't opened one up, but I have. If you open up your, your laptop and look at all the crap that's in there, yep. none of us know what any of that stuff does. I mean, yeah, I can, I can identify memory. I can identify uh, CPU, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a few other things for video cards, but I don't know what every chip does. 
And here's the irony, and, and we've started to see this in the, uh, the Raspberry Pi, you know, the tiny computers, okay? Right, right. Um, you know, you can, have a, you can have a chip on a computer that does one thing, or you can have a chip that looks exactly the same that does two things. And you don't really know what the other thing is. Right. And that's what the Chinese government was doing for a while back. They were putting what they call computer on chip technology that is literally a little computer inside your big computer. And so um, being able to store code uh, secretly on a computer is not difficult to do uh, if you're, you know, if you have the means. And, you know, John McAfee probably did have the means. Um, right. You know, it's ironic that he did that because I, I, I really I hate spying people spying on other people but you know once you start down that road it seems like you know it's us versus them and yeah you know the government has the best stuff right now but you know that's not going to always be the case because the concept of cots uh you know custom off-the-shelf uh, equipment where the government's buying stuff from the corporate world where the corporate world has the best stuff and the government's just buying it from them um, is definitely today's world. And so, you know, John probably knew how to hide it. I've, I've been on situations where, you know, I use relatively low technology to spy on um, people that I was trying to identify that were trying to steal from me. And yeah. I was able to figure it out. And I provided that information to the ATF. Um, and it was, you know, they, it resulted in an arrest and, and a shutdown of a program in uh, Phoenix. But, you know, and I, they didn't ask me to do that. I just said, well, I know how to do this. I'm going to do it myself. And I did it and I provided them the nice. information. And I'm not really that good at it. Okay. Right, so, right. you know, John obviously is very good at it. And so, you know, my answer is yes, I think it's possible that he could have done it. I don't know if he did, um, but it is very possible. And, and I'm sure they would be very upset about that if he did. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for, so much for that. I just wanted to get your take because there, there's a, a big, large debate online as to, you know, whether or not he, it would be possible to do the things he did just because, you know, the aura of the state department and, and all that, you know, they're supposed to be uh, allegedly unbreachable, if you will. But again, everything seems to be quite breachable. Well, I mean, here's, here it is, you know, uh, December of last year, we were all talking about the solar winds hack and right. who did they hack? They hacked the Department of Defense, the Treasury Department, okay? They mm -hmm. hacked major energy industry, major banking industry, major pharma industry. Every pillar of our, in, of our, of our world, our society was hacked. Right. And, not, and not just a, and, and this is what bothers me the most about the solar winds hack is that nobody's really focusing on it. It was just like it happened and then it's sort of over. Well, it's not over. Okay. Right. They had intimate level hacking and they were on people's local area networks. They were seeing stuff that, you know, you know, it's not just they hacked the database and got customer information. They were listening to email communications. They got, you know, when it comes to the department of defense, you know, if, if you were um, just sending a, a personal Gmail message, okay. They got that. If you were on some kind of instant messaging program, they got that. Right. They got these things. They got a lot of information from people that, you know, wasn't just uh, proprietary customer databases. They got private communications. They got, <clears throat> there should be a lot more discussion about what they did because it's starting to make sense why the Department of Defense has gone the way they are. I believe they might be compromised by whoever it was that was responsible for this hack. And I don't believe it was the Russians. Would you, in your humble opinion, sir, um, uh, would you say that this hack would have been an attempt at, uh, you know, blackmail or something, and it's still being held over the DOD, in your opinion? This type of hack would have facilitated blackmail in ways that Epstein never even conceived of. Jesus Christ. Holy Yeah, cow. totally. I mean, wow. and I mean, Epstein's blackmail operation with the little girls and stuff yeah. was small potatoes compared to the level of information that the solar winds hack uh, got um, uh, from from. And I'm talking about every industry. They were they were the banking industry, the uh, pharmaceutical industry, the medical industry, the medical information. And they were on the DOD and the Treasury Department's. Um, main networks. So if, if, if you had to, again, if you had to guess in your opinion, 
China CCP? Uh, uh, more than likely, that's where I would go. I mean, I'm not I, I I'm not in the intelligence business, all right. Okay. But um, the nature of what I do know about how these hacks occur. To me, it's more likely that China was involved with this. Even Microsoft has now recently come out um, accusing China. And you saw how how the, the Biden administration just kind of sloughed it off as being ah, no big deal. You know, it's just China, whatever. They don't get any sanctions. They don't get anything. Um, yet Russia is getting hammered with this stuff all the time. Now, trust me, I'm not a fan of Putin. I don't agree right. with the communist regime. You know, the people of Russia are good people. They're a lot like us in many ways. Uh, they're just in a government that's not very good. Okay. Right. I don't, I don't, but you know, come on, you know, they, they have, they have the GDP of, of, a, of a state of the United States compared to China, which has all their resources, uh, monetary manipulation and involved in, you know, most U.S. Corp large corporations, multinational corporations. Um, it's, it's just not, uh, it just doesn't make any sense that this was a Russian thing. Um, so, right. and, and, and here's the other thing too. And I, and, you know, I think, you know, Snowden talked about this in his book and, and it was on his movie, you know, <clears throat> again, in the business of being uh, a criminal or criminal activity, which is what spying is essentially, right, yeah. um, you're basically breaking somebody else's law. All right. First of all, rule number one is if you're breaking in, you wear gloves. Yeah. You don't want to leave fingerprints, right? Right. Yet all these Russians, they left fingerprints everywhere. Hey, look at all my Cyrillic keyboard huh. strokes that I left on your computer because I'm an idiot. Huh. So give me a break with that. I mean, how many, how many movies do you have to see where people get framed because of yeah. fake fingerprints left? I mean, I just, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't believe it. And I've been in the internet business since, since the mid nineties. And I complained the FBI for a long time that traffic coming from the Pacific Pacific rim IP space was constantly banging on my network. I never saw anything coming from Russia um, at any given moment in time, although it might've happened, but for the most part, it's always been the Pacific rim and that's, uh, and that's China. Wow. So this really, holy crap. So this DOD hack, uh, Jesus, it really puts what Epstein was doing. It makes it look like peanuts, essentially. Yes, because what people talk about on their computers when they think they're private. Right. Is um, is is very valuable information. Right. So it, it would be OK. Yeah, it make, makes sense, especially within the, the DOD. Um, well, sir, I wanted to thank you for for giving us uh, more of your time than than was scheduled. I was wondering if you'd be willing to answer just one or two questions from Camden and then we'll call it. Um, yeah. Sorry, Camden. We've been kind of neglecting you. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's all good. I mean, I wanted to let you talk. You're saying great things. So I wanted to make sure you got it all out. Um, a minute ago, you started talking about, you know, the Fed coin, um, uh, these these digital currency spaces that can be uh, controlled. I don't know if you were aware, but PayPal uh, yesterday recently came out like in partnership with the Anti-Defamation League to literally track and uncover financial pipelines between what they're calling extremist movements, hate, hate organizations, that 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 same rhetoric that um, the narrative is against right now on all kinds of big tech. Right. And um, just in our own personal, between me and Dave, our own personal life, we have massive PayPal problems right now. Can you attribute anything to the overarching, just general control mechanism that that is just so, yeah, overarching that there could be a, a real already big jump into that world of not just even controlling your Fed coins, your, your cryptocurrencies, your blockchains, but the cash transfer in the digital space? Is that is that already something that you could really see happening in its own form of censorship? Well, you don't have to go too far to see that. I mean, you just look at Laura yeah. Loomer, right? So right. You know, if you're in the business, if you're in business and your business is communication and like you guys are, y'all are in the business, you create uh, content, content is information. Yep. Um, and, you know, if you're independently wealthy and you're just going to do it for free, then I'm, I'm happy for you. But most people need to get paid. And right. there's nothing wrong with that. It's not a bad word to get paid. Uh, you provide a day's worth of work. You should get paid a day's worth of, uh, of money. And so censorship in the form of reducing your ability to get paid has been uh, one of the key factors of censorship. It's, you know, it's 
it's one of the key components of censorship today. Um, you can, you know, censorship, you can either uh, shelter, uh, delete the information, delete the right. platform, uh, delete the money, uh, financial uh, mechanism to make the money. And so, you know, you guys have probably been deplatformed. You've probably been various uh, places and things. Shadow absolutely banned. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And now, yeah. you know, now they're going to go out. Now that you've moved on to another platform now that, that they don't control, they're going to take away your money and right. your ability to transact money. And so, you know, PayPal um, is a, uh, a bank, just like most banks. It's got, it's regulated somewhat differently. Uh, I think it's through Symphony, uh, Symphony Bank. Um, but, you know, the, they've realized that, you know, they can track your money this way and they do it all the time right now. You know, banks, yeah. you know, it's. It... Sorry about that. Let me just give me one quick second. We lost Camden. Hey, what's up? Oh, sure. No, uh, obviously, we touched too close to home for him because all of my power, it's a beautiful sunny day, by the way. All of my power just flashed out and everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, it, it's just case in point to the entire thing. Wow. Deep wow. state, deep state struck in a big way. Well, um, so, so yeah, I think there's a, there's a problem with this. I think people should be able to freely transact, um, you know, and I, I think it should be, it should be based on, on laws, not, not contrived, uh, definitions, which is what we're dealing with now contrived right. definitions. You know, there's, you know, the president, president was impeached this last time based on all the media reports of January 6th. And then after the impeachment failed, uh, retractions occurred and oh oh yeah we didn't have a bunch of people killed it wasn't a bloody riot it was uh one lady got shot and she wasn't doing anything she was shot by a black cop that they won't tell us anything about and we won't share the 14,000 hours of uh, video that show essentially how the police allowed uh people in past the gates how they allowed them up the steps how they opened the doors how they were escorting them like tourists to the capitol they're not going to show all that because it's counter to the narrative right um, my wife even said to me the other day wait a minute the news says that all these people got killed i'm like nope only one person got killed and she wasn't doing anything and she was shot by capitol police i was there hmm. and you know i was there yes i was there i was there i was in the areas that i was supposed to be i was in the designated areas and to be honest with you you know in addition to ashley babbitt getting shot you know, one of the other crimes that occurred there was whoever was in charge of the porta potties. Because if you go into, if you went into side of one, it was like Mount Everest in there. If you understand what I'm talking about. Oh, wow! Holy cow! Well, I, I was going to actually ask as one of the last questions, but I, you know, I thought because of time we wouldn't have it. But the hearings, I think, just wrapped up today, and I, you know, I for the sake of you know for the show, I. I get alerts from all the mainstream media outlets and it's uh, I, I'm seeing it on my phone right now. They're basically saying, uh, you know, um, they started crying. There were tears at the hearing today. The the police basically alleged, according to CNN, the police testimonies debunked all any of the, the people saying that it's not what the media made it out to seem to be. I at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know. I'm, I'm not sure, certain. I, I certainly would trust someone on the ground. Absolutely. <laughs> Much more over that of, you know, the corporations using other people's footage too, right? Well, here's what happened. I, I didn't see what happened on the other side of the Capitol, but the side of the Capitol, but the steps that I was on, uh, the police opened up the barricade <clears throat> and allowed a radical group of people that were being condemned by the majority of the people. And that radical group of people were a group of people that were radicalized by a group of people that radicalized them, um, whether they were federal agents or whether the person radicalizing was working with the feds is, you know, I don't know. But the police opened up the barricade. The police right. basically established a, a point and they then they backed up and they kept allowing people up to steps. 
And uh, at that point in time, I, you know, I don't know what happened up at the top of the steps. I didn't see any of that. I was, like I said, I was in the area that I was supposed to be in uh, on the other side of the fenced in barrier. Wow. So, well, sir, I, I'd like to, to thank you so, so very much for coming on. I'd like to thank you for giving an additional uh, 20, 25 minutes of your time. Sure. And Probably, yeah. would, would love to, uh, to have you on again, uh, you know, in, in a handful of weeks or months from now to get your perspective on, uh, on what's happening then. Because as we see hour by hour, minute by minute, things are changing constantly, right? It is. Yeah, it's just not going to stop. So, yeah, obviously. <laughs> absolutely. But well, uh, you guys keep doing what you're doing. And it's important work. Thank you so much. Could you please Appreciate tell our, our, our audience where they can find you? Uh, website, yeah. Twitter? So, yeah, so you can find us at AmericanPriority.com. We've got our AmpFest coming up uh, in October, October 7th to the 10th. It's going to be in Miami. It's going to be a great place. It's, we're going to have a golf tournament. We're going to have a lot of great speakers. Uh, we're going to have Dinesh D'Souza. We're going to have Michael Flynn. We're going to have Roger Stone, uh, Kevin wow. Sorbo, Papadopoulos, uh, George Papadopoulos. His wife is going to be there. Uh, she's going to have a fashion show with her swimwear at the pool party. Wow. Uh, we've got a golf tournament that starts off on Thursday for the American Priority Foundation, as well as uh, to help with the um, Code of Vets, which is a, a very good uh, veteran support group. Uh, we're doing another uh, event. Uh, we're going to have an announcement that day, uh, that, that, uh, that event for our gun giveaway. So if you go to AmericanPriority.com and click on the giveaways, you can uh, register to win. Uh, this beautiful Remington 700 uh, thin blue line edition uh, rifle um, that wow. we're working with our pretty, partners yeah. yeah, working with our partners uh, at We Back Blue, which is a, a, a law enforcement support group, which is very important. Um, and uh, we're going to have our pool party. We're going to have our gala. We're going to have a lot of uh, fun events as well as speakers and panel discussions for a couple of days. And then we're going to close off the week on Sunday with our religious freedom, where we'll have a lot of fun, uh, you know, speakers and music and very inspirational discussion. I think last year we had a conga line of, uh, of, of people that were so inspired uh, by some of the uh, spiritual music that they were hearing. So it's a lot of fun. fun. It's a totally immersive event, but yeah, you can find us at AmericanParade.com and then on Twitter at AmpFest underscore USA. Sounds good, sir. Thank you so, so much once again for coming on and, uh, have a great rest of the day. You too. Absolutely. Take Thank care, guys. So much. Take care.